The following is a paid advertisement of St. Anthony Hospital Orthopedics. References to any specific product, services, or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by St. Anthony Hospital, Carroll Broadcasting, or its advertisers. The views expressed by the host or guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Welcome to the St. Anthony Hospital Orthopedic Show with Dr. Richard Godding. Dr. Godding specializes in joint preservation, reconstruction, and replacement surgery, and brings over 25 years of orthopedic excellence to St. Anthony Hospital and to the Carroll area. For more information about Dr. Godding, his practice, or St. Anthony Orthopedics, go to stanthonyhospital.org or make an appointment by calling 712-794-5536. Good Sunday morning, Iowa. It's Dr. Rick Godding, and thank you so much for spending some time with me here today. So those of you that have listened know that I'm a big Oklahoma State fan. I did go to Oklahoma State, and last weekend was the final Bedlam series. So that's what they call Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State, the Bedlam Series. It's been going on for 107 years. No, 117 years. Or 118, okay. Anyway, and last one was the final Bedlam because the Oklahoma is moving off to the SEC. And I don't know how it happened, but they basically decided together and each side is accusing the other side of not wanting to play the game going forward and you can kind of see both sides of it now the history of this series this is the most lopsided college rivalry series in football it's been a long we don't even agree on the record cuz Oklahoma State says it's 91 to 21 and to seven, 91 times Oklahoma's won, 21 times Oklahoma State's won, seven times they tied. Oklahoma says it's 91. We say it's 90 because in the 80s they had probation and they technically had to forfeit their games. But for this series, they continue to call it a win. So it's like it's like that. There's just no love lost. It's it's uh, it's so lopsided. And then you know, and if you think about it, I mean. You know, Iowa, Iowa State, that's that's an in-state rivalry, and it can get a little bit, but it's not it's not on the magnitude, and I think it's just that level of domination. And part of it is, I mean, Oklahoma's Oklahoma, and, you know, they're one of the top 10 overall football programs. They've got the most Heismans. They've got the third most national championships. I mean, they're, you know, it's, it's Oklahoma, Alabama, Notre Dame. I mean, those are the premier college football programs forever. And uh, so, I mean, imagine Iowa was that and Iowa State was Iowa State, who, you know, is more or less like Oklahoma State, but I mean, maybe not even as as ranked in the top as often as Oklahoma State is. And just imagine getting drubbed by them all the time. So that was a very emotional game, as given that how we won it. And I mean, the whole season we had, we lost 33 to 7 to south alabama our second game of the year and now we're in the driver's seat to go to the big 12 championship game we're five and one and have the weakest three teams in the big 12 ucf houston and uh, 
BYU left on the schedule. And then we would face Texas, who we've had a great winning record against over the last 10 years. So it's just been a crazy turnaround. It was a super, super emotional game for me and all the Oklahoma State fans because it was kind of like, okay, you won it more, but we won the last one, and that's what we're going to keep talking about. And uh, I actually had some Sooners fans over to my house. It was uh, it was bedlam. <laughs> it was complete bedlam. So that was good, and Iowa State's really turned their season around, doing pretty well. And Iowa still needs to learn how to score some points, so hopefully they will. But uh, it's it's getting to be that crunch time into college football, and and it's I love this time of year. I love I love it up until Christmas, and then then it's just cold and nasty. And there's only thing to hope for is is spring. And so, uh, but at least I will do my best to enjoy you know, this holiday season. I hope that you all do too. I'm going down to Oklahoma to see my mom and my grandma and with the kids for Thanksgiving and, uh, uh, just spend some time with family in Oklahoma. And, then uh, I like to make a big Thanksgiving dinner at my house. Um, and like to have my mom up, but she's not really able to come up for, for right now. So, so we're going to go down and see, see family. So, Everybody who's been listening knows we use the Mako robot and knows that the Mako robot is essentially, the way I explain it is, is it's like uh, the difference between, if you know about small airplanes like Cessnas or even bigger airplanes, is the difference between the old dial cockpit and the new cockpits that are all got GPS and they're digital. And I mean, it's like that, that big of a difference. And it's, it's, it's very similar that way. And I, if you're a young guy coming out and you've trained on the Mako robot, you're not going to be very good at doing total knees without the Mako. And I'm just telling you, it's there's so much more art to it. The way most of total knees are done, it's so much art and craftsmanship. And, I mean, people can get great at it, you know. And I think I was very good at it. I did it for 20 years. But just the same way that if you were to train in a glass cockpit going to dials, you would be in trouble because there's just so much more instinct and there's so much more craftsmanship and there's so much. So, so it's really, you know, the guys who came out and trained like I did using what is I'm calling the old way, because I I mean, I'm just telling you there were six Mako robots in Iowa two years ago. Now there's 11. I think you're going to continue a trajectory. I know that that uh, they have one at Broadlawns in Des Moines, and there's a, a group in Des Moines that has bought one, and they're building a surgery center, and they're going to have it in their surgery center. And once that happens, then the hospitals are going to be forced to buy it. And, you know, it's just going to be a situation where I think if you're not using robotic surgery, then you're going to have to answer why you're not using it. And the the only downside to it is cost. And cost is a downside and and I get it. And when when you start having outcome studies that show what you already do that show that the Mako robot outcomes and in the short term and the medium term are better as far as pain relief and back to function and 
overall alignment and things like that. You know, you just, you're gonna, at some point, I think, have to answer, have to answer that. And anyway, it's, it's very interesting. There's statistics that people would be likely shocked to find out. The percentage of total knee replacements in America done by surgeons who do fewer than 25 a year is incredibly high. And uh, there's different different studies that show different uh, numbers, but somewhere between 50 and 85% of total knee replacements done in the United States were done by surgeons who do 25 or fewer. And that is, I mean, to give you a, an example, I did 148 last year, I think, somewhere in that range. And I've been doing that for a very long time. And, you know, it's incredible when you think about it that that many are done by so many surgeons who do so few. The real cutoff that they, some of the research uses is 70 a year, which again is less than half of how many I do. And that even that shows some pretty stark differences in, in the overall recovery and complication rates. But what I think is, what I think is that with the MAKO, the lower volume surgeon is going to be able to more predictably come out with a good result because it's, there's so much more control and there's so much more ability to use the the program to really do so, so you know the ligamentous balancing that you do with a, a total knee replacement is a very challenging part of it and that is getting the ligament so you know you're replacing the end of the bones those operations the end of the bones you replace the arthritic end of the bones so then you've got to make it function properly and by doing that you have to have the ligaments functioning properly and there's a significant amount of art to that when you're doing it without the robot. When I say without the robot, I mean without the Mako, because the rest of these robots, just honestly, they're not even in the room. And I say that having been offered, I could have taken any robot I wanted, and there was just absolutely zero comparison. And the Mako was the most expensive by far and the best by far. So the reason that I think going forward that the surgeons are going to be able to the lower volume surgeons would be able to do those cases more predictably but the problem is a lower volume hospital is never going to be able to afford a make out so you really have this it's really a tough situation where you know you want you want to go to a surgeon who does really the kind of the minimum volume is 70 a year to is what the most of them and and when you get down around 25 a year the statistics start to get really rough so you want to go to a higher volume surgeon okay in addition to that you want that surgeon to have the mako if you can so and so what really had had me thinking about this is it's really a dramatic difference you know if you remember i i took my mom out to the guy who taught me how to do the mako and had him do her knees because even though she was already scheduled to have someone else do it and i was just learning about the mako and i said no 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 mom's having the mako no way in the world would i have a non-mako knee and anybody that i ever have any control over and i mean that's not to say that there's not excellent knees being done without the Mako. Let me be very clear. I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm just saying 
that on the margins, on the, on the margins, meaning if you're using the Mako, you're going to get 95 or 97 out of 100 of them perfect. Whereas if you're not using the Mako, you can use 80 to 90 out of 100 perfect. And that doesn't mean that those other 20 aren't going to be good. They're just not going to be as perfect. And that doesn't mean every Mako knee is perfect either. You know, there still are some that aren't. Uh, but you're just you're edging up the odds better. And so, again, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with anybody who's not using the Mako. There's guys all over Iowa doing hundreds of non-Mako knees a year that patients are doing great. No problem. But if they had the opportunity, I, I would guess that all of them would use the Mako. And the reason I really started thinking about this is this last week I did my first two Mako knees with the new software. So they've updated the software, and it's even more precise. There's, it's even more, there's so much more to it that makes it flow better during the case and makes it where, to me, you end up getting an even more predictable result. And, then, and it has to do with how you measure the ligaments and how you measure the, the ligamentous tension and the positioning of when you're doing that and it's guiding you through it in a way that it wasn't before you were kind of just doing it before and now there's a targeting you have to have the knee in the appropriate position in order to check the ligamentous tension before you were just kind of saying okay i'm going to check the ligamentous tension in extension and inflection but now there's a little thing there and if you're not right exactly where the robot wants you to be to test your ligamentous tension then it won't let you do it. And it actually now tells the people running the robot exactly where to put the park the robot. There's like, it'll actually, you, on the screen, you'll see the robot and you'll see a rectangle on the floor and they put the robot in the rectangle and everything's good. And it even, it even tells you how high you should have the bed. So the bed in a surgical bed, if you didn't know, and you would think it does move up and down. It does. It moves up towards the ceiling and down towards the floor. It even tells you where to put that. And there's all little targeting devices. So before you make your first cut, the robot has told you where it wants to be parked. It's told you how high it wants the bed. And it has told you this is exactly the position the knee, I want the knee in in order for you to give yourself the appropriate data with respect to where the ligaments are perfectly tensioned. So it's just, I mean, I honestly, I didn't even expect that we would get an update this soon. I've been using it for three years now. I guess it's been out for about five for, so it's been out for longer for that, for just the partials, but for the total knees and the hips, uh, the Mako has been out for about five or six years. And I just, you know, I kind of didn't really think that there would be something that would come along like this so quickly, but it really, again, you're, you're chasing after the margins. So now we're going to try to get to 98%, right? So we're about at 95%. When I say 95%, 95% of my patients' knees are, they have good to excellent results. And that's the, that's the marker. And 95% of my patients' knees look essentially perfect on x-ray. And so, you know, when you're doing a lot, you know, if you do 148 knees in a year, 95% is five, is seven, seven to 10 people who 
are outside of that category. And that's, you know, we work hard to improve that. And of course, some of the patients who have knees that look perfect on the x-ray aren't doing all that great, (laughs) which is the one thing that's really hard to figure out exactly why it's happening. But the point is the Mako will make any surgeon better. I I fully believe that a hundred percent. I mean, I've done, been doing this for 20 plus years. I've done well over 2000, I think over 2,500 knees, knee replacements. It just is, it's just fantastic. And to watch it evolve like that into a new program where it's even better. I just, I was surprised by that and it's exciting. And I just kind of want to share that with you. So that's my story. Oklahoma State Cowboys win Bedlam and are headed towards the Big 12 championship game. Unless we're derailed by somebody that we should beat. And the Mako continues to improve and continues to make any surgeon who's using it better than they would be without it. 100% believe that. So with that, uh, uh, thanks for spending some time with me, and you have a blessed week, Iowa. This has been the St. Anthony Hospital Orthopedic Show with Dr. Richard Godding. For more information about Dr. Godding, his practice, or St. Anthony Hospital Orthopedics, go to www.stanthonyhospital.org or make an appointment by calling 712-794-5536.